today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Inevitably taking a number of trips uh, here in Toronto uh, in the backseat of an Uber, uh, we found out pretty quickly that um, a lot of drivers were having a pain point, which was they were you know, formerly taxi drivers that love the fact that they used to get paid cash because they could now take that cash and refill their tank and keep going. And so unfortunately, when, uh, when rideshare first started, there were no options for gig workers or rideshare drivers specifically to get paid other than waiting for their weekly amounts. And so when you're spending money daily, but you know, waiting weekly to get paid for it, it, it became a challenge. And then that's when the light bulbs went off and we decided to do something about it. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. An important theme we've covered on the podcast has been the rising availability of earned wage access solutions. As more workers engage in the gig economy, fintech and payment solutions are emerging that help people access their wages as they earn them, instead of waiting for a monthly or biweekly pay cycle. Payfair is one of those companies. Fresh off an IPO in Toronto in March of this year, the company works with platforms like Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash to enable their workers to get paid. Payfair CEO Marco Margiata joins us on the podcast to discuss the move to go public and what changes that presented to management. Marco discusses trends in gig economy payments and earned wage access. Lastly, we look ahead to see where earned wage access matures to and how Payfair's products will continue to support workers along the way. Marco Margiata is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Yeah, so I'm uh, Marco Margiata. I'm the CEO and founding partner of Payfair Inc. And our company specializes in providing gig economy workers with a digital bank account solution or, or digital banking solutions, better put. Um, and the primary cornerstone offering as part of that digital banking solution is providing instant access to the earned wages they've earned. And so we have clients such as Uber, Lyft, uh, and DoorDash, to name a few. Yeah, great, uh, great space and great clients. Um, before we jump into Payfair, can we take a step back and and talk about you personally? Like, how did you get here? What was your road to to Payfair? Yeah, it was a long, windy road, but yeah, started my the career. Star, um, okay. <laughs> yeah, you, you know what? No regrets uh, by any stretch. Um, it's all worked out really well, and so we didn't start off on the path I initially thought. Which my educational background is accounting, so I'm a uh, uh -huh designated accountant uh, here in Canada, so a CPA, um, did that, um, you know, for the first couple of years, um, didn't love it, knew that I'd love to know the language of business. And so that's how it all started. But I took that and really um, went hard on something I was very passionate about, which is finance more broadly, um, than opposed to just, you know, straight accounting, which is pretty dull in most people's eyes, and certainly mine. So Took the benefit of having that language, uh, business language, if you will, and knowing and understanding financial statements, and then really parlayed it into a financing career. And so I spent the early days of my career um, with the investment banking doing um, post-consolidation merger and acquisition financials, which kind mm -hmm. of stretched it out a bit from just the hardcore accounting. And then really got to know a few people that really took me under their wing and helped me understand um, debt financing or structured financing. And so... With that, um, I was fortunate enough to kind of work really hard and get the people that were really gonna kind of show me the ropes. And it led to me joining a bunch of other startups with them alongside doing some really structured, unique debt offerings. And so we got into film financing, uh, litigation lending, where we were lending stuff. against class actions and the list mm -hmm. goes on. So it really gave me an opportunity to think outside the box in terms of financing. And so with that in mind, after a few successful startups, 
um, the two other co-founders of Payfair, Keith McKenzie and Ryan DeSlip approached me with this crazy idea of funding gig workers because in our experience of taking, well, what inevitably became my experience as well, inevitably taking a number of trips uh, here in Toronto uh, in the backseat of an Uber, uh, we found out pretty quickly that um, a lot of drivers were having a pain point, which was they were you know, formerly taxi drivers that love the fact that they used to get paid cash because they could now take that cash and refill their tank and keep going. And so, unfortunately, when uh, when rideshare first started, there were no options for gig workers or rideshare drivers specifically to get paid, other than waiting for their weekly amounts. And so, when you're spending money daily, but you know, waiting weekly to get paid for it, it, it became a challenge. And then that's when the light bulbs went off, and we decided to do something about it. So, so that's a really interesting path how you got here. I appreciate that. And so, maybe now's a good time to talk about uh, how Payfair works. Like, so. So the drivers have a clear pain point. They need to. They have uh, daily costs and get paid, you know, on a on a longer cycle for that. Um, how do how do how do you guys help to ease that that problem? Yeah. So simply put, you know, at a very high level, it works slightly different for each client of ours. But at its core, um, we do um, a couple things. One is we provide that gig worker, um, and I've named some of the clients as an example. Um, with a digital bank account. And with that digital bank account, we provide them. Uh, it works and acts and feels like any traditional bank account you would have in your wallet. Um, but it, it actually has a few different elements. And the most important element that really differentiates it from a standard bank account is we partner with the client. Um, in this case, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Uber, Lyft, DoorDash as examples. At the platform level you're talking about. The, that's right. We yeah. partner at the platform level, level and then make that offering of that digital bank account solution available to those users. And so at different frequencies, you know, one platform might decide to pay those users daily. Mm -hmm. uh, another platform might decide to pay after each task or each delivery. And so inevitably well, we're speeding up the earned wages uh, or access to the earned wages that they've earned. Um, and we're providing them with a free digital bank account, which, you know, really um, sets them up to have an independent view of all their gig worker activity so for tax purposes and whatnot it's just a lot easier to track but inevitably you know they're getting a full-on free bank account with zero fees for the most part associated to advancing any of those uh burn wages that they've earned so so it, it you're taking a, a platform approach i'm just kind of curious around the the mechanics of uh, I don't know, cycle times, how long it takes to, to create a partnership, how, how long it takes to kind of roll out um, an integration with at the platform level? Yeah, I mean, certainly it's not a walk or a cakewalk um, or a walk in the park. But, you know, initially, you know, with innovation, especially in the space, th these kind of products didn't exist in the marketplace. So initially partnering with the likes that we have, it was more about handholding and showing them exactly what they needed even before they knew they needed it. And so Fortunately for us, one of the larger players in the space um, really felt like this was a very innovative need uh, that wasn't being answered or addressed. And so we did that. And with that came other traction with other competitors in the space saying, well, you know, if that works great, then we also want that. Because the, the reality was once one gig platform did it, as a gig worker, you'd prefer one platform versus the other, which is, you know, where you're getting paid first and faster versus the others. And so... We kind of built the path and then it was quickly followed, if you will. So with that being said, the initial turnaround and launch and implementation with our initial client took almost about a year for that sales cycle to kind of play out. 
Mm-hmm. And then as things became more familiar and things started kind of becoming more uh, fine-tuned and, and refined, as we went, uh, the sales cycle kind of diminished um, just because, you know, it, it was out there, it was proven, there was less questions to be asked even before launching. It, it was that innovative. And so the sales cycle has come down considerably. And, and so at this point in time, um, given where we are and how much money we've invested in the platform um, to date and all the experiences we've had, um, to kind of fine-tune it to the point where out of the gate, it's a very um, robust offering. It, you know, three to four months is typically the, the turnaround sales cycle at this point. And so I'm just trying to understand um, how how the how the payments work. Are you actually floating for a few days? Or can you talk about sort of the mechanics of of the payment cycle or the, or the micro loan, I guess? Yeah, for sure. And so for the most part, what we prefer to do is have the platform that we partner with provide the float. Mm-hmm. In that regard, if there's no float of, of interest or capital that we would have to float, less risk, um, less time value of money or cost of capital. So we can actually pass on that that free value of, mm-hmm. of not having to bear any debt, let's say, um, back onto the user. And so that's what makes it completely free. That's our preferred choice. And so for the most part, all of our clients would pre-fund those accounts. So we would have a dedicated trust account where those funds would reside mm-hmm. with the sole purpose of us using those funds to advance earnings that those earnings uh, that have been made by those users. And so, you know, only in certain instances have we provided the float, um, but our preferred path, which 90 plus percent of our business works off of is the platform themselves pre-funding those accounts. Interesting. And so um, what, I guess, from the platform point of view, it's clear, um, you know, that its users uh, need access, early access to their wages. But what about the platform? Is that, is that just, is their interest in just providing their users a good experience working with them to keep them happy, keep them engaged? Yeah, absolutely. So the reality is, you know, this is a major pain point in certain markets. It's more relevant than others, but, you know, take North America, that's more familiar territory. Um, you know, any driver that's working around the clock, let's say on the rideshare side, is really burning through a tank of gas easily uh, in a day if they're doing it, you know, on a full-time basis. And so it's very difficult for them to float that for as many as 10 days before they get their first paycheck. So they realize the pain point. We've had some statistics earlier on um, that would show us exactly what those pain points were. And so driver supply hours, which is a key metric on the rideshare side, would have been boosted you know, north of 20% um, post this product being implemented or the service offering. And so it's really relevant um, at this point, especially now that you know we're into this you know, four or five years later, it becomes very clear how favorable having an instant payout solution to the gig worker or their user base or workforce um, you know, sets them apart from others. And so it, it's a great retention tool, but it's also mm-hmm. a great a- attraction tool, right? And so when you don't have to worry about where your next funds are coming from to keep your business going, and that's the way we view these, you know, this workforce, independent contractors, um, uh, sorry, what I would say is entrepreneurs versus, um, you know, a- anything else, whether, you know, the debate continues about them being independent contractors or employees, mm-hmm. in our view, they're entrepreneurs and they need the tools like any other entrepreneur to, to get their business going. And so this provides them with the launch pad they need to kind of make that, that capital um, gap go away. 
So I, I think that's a good segue into entrepreneurship and your own entrepreneurship. Like I, I know you guys completed an IPO. I think it was it was March of this year. Can you talk about the decision um, to go public? And you went public on on the Toronto Stock Exchange. That's correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So under ticker symbol Pay, uh, P A Y. But that's awesome. The decision for us was very very clear. Um, you know, it, it wasn't easy raising money here in Canada. It, it, it's not like you know experiences I've had in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, where there's a lot more speculative capital. Um, and, and a lot greater VC market and the list goes on. It, it just felt like the U.S. was always a bit easier to raise money. But having said that, because we're based here in Canada, um, I was fortunate enough to keep landing myself in front of different investors, you know, through word of mouth. And so that word of mouth kind of led us to have, you know, 300 plus investors by the time we went public. And so they were all accredited investors. It was almost one check at a time. Mm -hmm. And miraculously, it kind of got us to the level we needed to kind of get some institutional interest. And, you know, obviously, we put some traction behind us with the clients we had before we went public. Um, and it all seemed to work out. But for us, we did look at some other paths. You know, we, we had opportunities to be acquired, which we, we kind of put to the side because we felt those early innings and there was a mm -hmm. lot more meat on the bone we, we could have and a lot more growth ahead of us. So. There was that. We also looked at, you know, continuous down the path of, of becoming, you know, or, or maintaining the private status. Um, mm -hmm. But the reality is, once you take in that many investors, the pressure right. mounts, and so it, it just felt like this would have been the only way to accommodate, you know, those who want to kind of go along for the the ride continuously for the you know next set of exponential growth, or those that have been in it for four to five years that just wanted some form of liquidity. And then, given the pandemic. Um, there was no shortage of that either. So it, it was kind of the solution that worked for the, you know, the very big, large user or shareholder base that we had. And it was a no brainer on our side. That makes a lot of sense. I, I want to go back to the, to the business. What, what are the levers in the business? Obviously there's, there's more platforms, but at the level that you're playing, like, you know, I, I don't know how many more platforms there are like, what are the levers in the business in terms of growth? Like, is it expanding payment volume within each, um, within each client, you know, rolling, rolling yeah. it out to more, to more users within the client. Like, how do you think about growth? Yeah. So inherently in the gig space, there's, there's a massive amount of growth uh, to be had, especially over the next you know, few years where by 2023, it's expected half the entire workforce in the U S would be gig economy um, or at least independent contractor related. And so that all being said, um, you know, we've, done extraordinarily well elephant hunting and you know targeting the largest platforms in the world um, with major attraction behind it and there's tons of growth even inherently in the clients we have having said that though the broader space is massive like i alluded to and so the sum of all the small parts actually equates a very sizable market and so i think it's expected to be 4.7 uh, sorry uh, my mistake, uh, 473 billion mm -hmm. um, within the next year or two. And so we're at a fraction of that when you consider the clients we have. And so there's a lot of other areas uh, within the gig space, specifically rideshare and delivery alone, let alone all the other facets of what makes up the gig economy that we can target. And so we're really marching down the path of, of coming up with a solution that provides any gig worker, irrespective of which client or platform they're on, um, with the capability of having this functionality. And so that's kind of the next phase and iteration of what we are doing. Uh, that, would the app that, we of the, that would be independent yeah. of the platform relationship? 
Yeah. And so what we would do, you know, what we plan on doing, you know, in the next couple of quarters is basically developing the platform that would have any gig platform, irrespective of how big or small they are, mm-hmm. be able to provide us with the data we would need to validate that that worker has earned X amount of money and then make that available to them. And, and so there's kind of a two-sided approach here. One would be direct to consumer or, or direct mm-hmm. to gig worker, where we would aggregate each user on a one-off basis. Um, providing them with what we would refer to as our super app internally anyways. Um, and, and with that function, um, you know, as we aggregate those users, we'll be able to identify which platforms a lot of that workforce is coming from. And then on the flip side, we can approach that workforce and say, you know, look, 10,000 of your users are now on our platform. How would you like to make instant access to earnings available for those users? And so it's kind of a two-pronged approach where you're sure. aggregating all the smaller gig platforms, but also addressing the needs, the banking needs of any gig worker out there. And so it's it's a tackling, sorry, it's tackling them from both angles, if you will. Um, aggregating smaller platforms as well as, you know, aggregating users directly and then kind of a chicken and egg approach. Yeah, that was definitely um, my feeling that you would head in that direction. And I know employment data, we've been speaking a lot about that on the podcast, becoming a lot more valuable and, and more accessible. And with that new financial products, I think one of the things that impressed upon me, Marco, was as you described um, the Payfair product, you described it as a bank. And so I'm just kind of curious for our last question, um, you know, where you see the product, you called it a super app internally, like, are you going to be adding more financial services as well? Yeah, the, the vision has always been to provide, you know, we have a direct pulse on a lot of the workforce um, in the gig economy space, um, and we're, we're always listening. And so, you know, it's very clear to us through all the engagements we've had with those users um, that there's way more needs than just providing, you know, a simple bank account. Um, you know, gig workers have specific needs, such as tax reporting and assistance with that. Um, you know, certainly micro lending, um, would be another area that, that we would see a huge demand for. And so it's addressing the multitude of needs, not just simply this, you know, standard off the shelf bank account that they can get almost anywhere. We're addressing a very specific niche, uh, user base or workforce. Um, so there's a ton of things we'd want to do around that. And so a lot of that will be rolled out with that, you know, super app, um, Mm -hmm. that we'll be creating and, you know, shortly rolling out. Um, certainly closer to the end of the year. But yeah, so in that there would be, you know, lending products, there would be um, tax uh, assistance products that would help them assist do a tax return. So because we have a segregated bank account that we're providing them, um, they can also use that as a means to easily prepare the forms necessary to do tax returns. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a multitude of other things, including, you know, cashback and loyalty rewards. Uh, to the nth degree that are really highlighting and targeting um, this specific workforce. So when you think about it, a lot of the road on the road, you know, the one common denominator is they're all burning through gas. And, you know, that would be just one example of how we can help really target the rewards and loyalty um, uh, from this banking relationship that we would have with them. That makes a lot of sense. Marco, thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet podcast today. Great talking to you. No, thank you. Great. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.